I'm really excited to be looking at 1 Corinthians 3 with you this morning. And uh, as you have been, rightly I think, reading right through the passage each time, I'm going to do the same. We're going to read 1 Corinthians 3. I'm going to use the CSB version. And uh, let's just listen to the Word of God and then see what God wants to say to us this morning. And I do believe, genuinely believe, God wants to speak to us out from this passage. Absolutely. Whoever you are and whatever your context, context as you come in this morning, whether you're an established Christian, new Christian or not yet a Christian, I believe God wants to speak to you, whatever your background and situation. Okay, let's uh, read from verse 1. For my part, brothers and sisters, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as babies in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, since you were not yet ready for it. In fact, you are still not ready, because you are still worldly. For since there is envy and strife among you, are you not worldly and behaving like mere humans? For whenever someone says, I belong to Paul, and another, I belong to Apollos, are you not acting like mere humans? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? They're servants through whom you believed, and each has the role that the Lord has given I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his own reward according to his labor. For we are God's co-workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to God's grace that was given to me, I have laid a foundation as a skilled master builder. And another builds on it. But each one is to be careful how he builds on it. For no one can lay any other foundation than what has been laid down. The foundation, that foundation is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver and costly stones, wood, hay or straw, each one's work will become obvious. For the day will disclose it. Fire will test the quality of each one's work. If anyone's work that he has built survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will experience loss, but he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Don't you yourselves know that you are God's temple and that the Spirit of God lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and that's what you are. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks he is wise in this age, let him become a fool so that he can become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. Since it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the reasonings of the wise are futile. So, let no one boast in human leaders, for everything is yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come. Everything is yours and you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. This is a powerful passage. And it absolutely is stacked with stuff, important truths. So it's very difficult to think how you approach it. I can't do a verse by verse. I don't think that's appropriate. But I felt that God highlighted to me three questions which I want to ask every one of you. In fact, I would say I want to ask us, because I'm including myself. But I don't believe it's what I'm asking. I believe it's what God's asking. 
And I believe the word of God is how God speaks to us. Augustine said, where the Bible speaks, God speaks. And actually, I believe these are questions God's asking us this morning. And uh, I'm using virtually the way Paul asked the Corinthians, but I'm obviously, you'll see, slightly just drawing the question out. These, quick, quickly, these are the three questions I believe God wants to ask us. Are you acting like mere humans? Are you acting like mere humans? Am I? Don't you know that you are the God's temple? That's the second question. Do you realize all things are yours? That's the third question. Now we're going to dig into those. Let's start with the first one. Are you acting like mere humans? <laughs> you could say, what on earth are you talking about? Uh, I, of course I'm human. What do you think I am? A mutant? An alien? Do you think I'm a superhero from the world of Marvel? By the way, you might be surprised, I have a good working knowledge of all the Marvel films. I think all of them. I think I've watched most of them at least once with a grandchild or two. So you can't catch me out there. But don't give me, I wouldn't sit mastermind on them because I tend to go half asleep in some of them or get bored. But to be honest, some of them are quite exciting. And I have, as I say, a working knowledge of them. What well, do you think then, John, that we're like a mutant or a superhero from the world of Marvel? We surely are only human. Indeed, we love to say, especially when we do something perhaps that we shouldn't in some way, well, I'm only human after all. I'm only human. You can't expect too much. I'm only human after all. Well, get ready in the next few minutes to have your mind changed, your paradigm shifted. Because there's a God truth here which we need to see and believe men and women whoever they are wherever they come from whatever their background class race or anything else IQ nothing else matter wherever you come from if you are truly a Christian if you are saved something extraordinary has happened to you you have been born again of the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit has come into you and changed you from the inside out. If you want the detail, we haven't time for it. Please look at John 3, verses 5 to 8, where Jesus talks about it. Or look earlier in John's Gospel, John 1, verses 12 to 13. It is very clear, those who believe in Jesus, those who receive him as their Savior and Lord, the Holy Spirit comes in there, born of God. They become children of God, born of the Spirit. Something radical and supernatural happens to you when you become a Christian. If you become a Christian, that is unavoidable. There is no other sort of Christian. There's not a mild intellectual version or a philosophical version or I'm just a bit interested in Jesus and his teaching version. The only version of Christianity is to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and for the Holy Spirit to come in you. And make a change from the inside out. So we are no longer mere humans. Listen to Dan Ortland. This is Dan Ortland quote from his book Deeper. Good little book. Here he is. Let's read it. If you are a Christian, you are now permanently indwelt by the Spirit. If you have been permanently indwelt by the Spirit, then you have been supernaturalized. It is not just you anymore. You aren't alone. You have a companion living within you. He is there to stay. And he provides everything you need to grow in Christ. 
you have the Holy Spirit in you. Now, within a few verses in this 1 Corinthians, Paul uses three different words to describe people in the Greek. And they come out as phrases in our Bibles. But they are different words, and you could argue that everybody is in one of these three categories. In 1 Corinthians 2.14, which we obviously didn't read this morning, but Steve was in 1 Corinthians 2 the other week. In 1 Corinthians 2.14, he talks about the person without the spirit, psychikoi in Greek. He talks about the person without the spirit. These are all the people who are not born again, so they don't have the Holy Spirit in them. They are people of the world, people of this age, people who are just in this world and its bits and pieces. People without the Spirit. And then in verse 1 we read of chapter 3, he has two separate words. He talks about the pneumachoi, spiritual people, people who have the Holy Spirit and live by the Spirit. So they're maturing as Christians, they're active in their Spirit-filled life. And the other one he uses is sarxikoi, people of the flesh. Now, this is a category that's quite interesting. These people are Christians. They are born again. But instead of living like people of the Spirit, they're living as though they were people without the Spirit. They're living out of their humanness, out of their naturalness, out of just what they've always been. They're not living out who they are in Christ, out of what Jesus has done in them and the change that's working in their lives. And Paul's great concern is that many at Corinth who are people with the Spirit are living as though they were people without the Spirit. They're living out of their flesh and their humanness. People who are born again, who are Christians, the only successful real way to live, an effective way, is to go with it. To believe what you are in Christ. To walk in the Holy Spirit. To go on being filled with the Spirit. Keep drinking. Keep asking. For more, to be guided by the Spirit, to be men and women who allow the fruit of the Spirit to appear in you. Actually, we should not be mere humans because we aren't. It's not a, dis- a disdainful term about human beings. It's, I can say it tongue in cheek, but it's addressing Christians like, you have changed. Don't live how you used to live as though you've got no other resources to handle life with than your own human wits and willpower and energy. You've got a lot more. You've got the Holy Spirit in you. You're not mere humans anymore. So don't react to problems or successes the way any other person would react. That's the thrust of what he's saying. Now let's be very clear, lest there's some in this room who say, well, I'm not a Christian. Now this sounds a little bit elitist. Well, in a way, it's wonderfully, wonderfully special to be a Christian. But here's the good news for you. You can become one this morning. There is a wide open offer here, whosoever, and it applies to anybody from anywhere in any country of this world, any status, any class. I've said it once, I'm going to repeat it. Anyone, however bad you've been or however good you think you've been, you need to be saved and you can be. Whosoever will may come to Jesus. Come and ask Jesus into your life. This is all of grace taken by faith. It's not earned. When I say we're more than mere humans, that's not us. That's what God's done in us. And he'll do it in you this morning. If you receive Jesus into your life, you become a new creation. A new creation. 
You are the beginning of something very new. God is doing something inside you that will go on for eternal life forever with him. It is so exciting. Yes, in a way, you do become an alien in this world. Hallelujah. You don't belong here, really. There's a little bit of marvel about it, actually. You're a different, you look ordinary, but there's something very different about you. Woo, that's exciting, isn't it? I reckon that's where Marvel got their ideas from, then twisted them and messed them about. You are someone who can live differently from those around you. You can bring blessing and hope. Let's forget our Marvel nonsense. You can bring blessing and hope to people. You can react differently to everybody else. You can be different and yet engaged in their lives. We are, in one way, strangers and aliens. Just before we move on to the next question, the challenge for all of us as Christians is that in this context, I trust you noticed it, Paul is challenging the Corinthians, you need to step up and be what you are. Now, here's an obvious point. That means we have personal responsibility, all of us, including me, for how far we go with this. It doesn't all happen automatically. You're born again, wonderfully. That's wonderful. That's a work of God. Now you need to walk in what you are. Now you need to go on being filled with the Spirit. Now you need to follow the Spirit. Now you need to drink. Now you need to apply the truths of God's Word by faith to your life. You need to grow. So that when Paul here and elsewhere in the New Testament, where Christians are described as babyish or childish, it's not a particularly flattering thing, immature, that is a challenge. That's, they're not patted on the head, never mind, you'll grow up. They're told you shouldn't be like that anymore. Don't stay immature. Don't stay babies. Keep growing. Keep feeding on God. Keep feeding on Jesus. Keep going forward. Don't live like mere humans, because you aren't. Be what you are. It's ever so exciting. Let's move on. The second question. Don't you know that you are God's temple? Now, this is different in a way. There is a place in Corinthians, which we'll get to, I'm sure, where it says your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's the truth to be for another day. This one, which is in verses 16 and 17. Let's just quickly remind ourselves of them. Thank you, you've already done it. Don't you yourselves know that you are God's temple and that the Spirit of God lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and that's what you are. Now, the you here is plural. This is the irritating thing about the British, the English language. It's a shame we've lost these and thous, actually. It was a good thing, these and thous. Bring back these and thous. Now, <laughs> because we lose quite what are plural and singular pl- uh, pronouns in England. You, is it one me, just me, I'm a te- or is it you? Well, in this case, it's you. <laughs> this is a corporate plural verse. This is to you. Don't you yourselves, I think some of the English translations try and flesh it out, rightly so. You yourself, do you realize you as a church are a temple of the Holy Spirit? You together in community. Now these verses fit in with the middle section of the chapter, which we're not actually going to spend any time at all at length on, which is verses 10 right down to here, 17 really, which is about God's building, that a local church is God's temple. God's building. 
and it must be built on the right foundation. Now we're talking corporate, got it? A church must be built on the right foundation. The foundation is Jesus Christ. Now, surprisingly and disappointingly, local churches can have not very good foundations. They can be built purely on tradition. They can be built on sentimental things. They can be built on one person or one family sometimes. They can be built on a division and they keep on proudly naming their division. I have to be careful because it's in the very words of some denominations as though it was all about just one doctrine that divided them from everybody else. That's not a great foundation really. Um, in actual fact, a healthy church of whatever color or type, I don't mean race by the way, I mean whatever shade of detailed belief, must be built on Jesus Christ. It, 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 foundationally, we gather because we love Jesus and we all know Jesus. And if we don't gather for any, if, if we gather for any other reason, because we always have, or because this is where our family did, or because we believe in this particular doctrine, or with it, but that's that's not the foundation. That's really not the foundation. But we are talking about communities of believers. We are talking about living temples built with living stones. And Paul is saying, when the Corinthians come together, they form a temple. When you here come together on a Sunday morning, but actually, I would argue this probably applies in other contexts. When you genuinely gather together to worship Jesus, maybe in a small group sometimes, and loving Jesus and loving each other, you form a temple. Jesus said, where two or three gather in my name, there I am in the midst. Okay? Clearly stated. We're told that the Holy Spirit loves to manifest his presence amongst real churches. That is gatherings of believers, living stones, built together, cemented together, if you like, they're cemented by loving for one another, but foundationally, they all are cemented to the foundation of Jesus. So that the reason they meet is not just because they live in that area or any other thing, because they all like bird watching or whatever it is. They, they meet together because they all love Jesus and they love each other. And when you get that, you get a living temple. And the word temple here is inner sanctuary. This is where God dwells. This is where the Holy Spirit loves to turn up. Now, Corinth, where this, uh, this church was, was full of temples. Archaeologists have found 27 different religions worshipped in Corinth. You thought we were pluralistic. They were extraordinary. They had, that, there's loads more probably, but they found 27. And these temples, these buildings, some of them were very grand. The one to Apollos and Venus, and pretty in-your-face with the various sorts of orgies clearly went on there. So in these buildings, you could have some pretty spectacular experiences. Orgies, occult activity undoubtedly from one or two things that are hinted at later in the book about going to pagan temples with, you know, sitting at the table of a devil. You know, I mean, there was real stuff going on in these buildings. But you wouldn't meet the living God there. You, you might have some extraordinary experiences, but you wouldn't meet God there. There was only one temple where the living God loved to turn up. And do you know that was the church? And listen, no archaeologist has ever found a foundation for a church in Corinth. They never found a building for the Christians in Corinth. 
there wasn't one. Hallelujah, in a way. Because you say, well, we've got a building. Yeah, I hope, if the world's still here in hundreds of years, if they found this foundation, they'd have trouble working out what happened here. Was this a cinema? Was it a bingo hall? This is not a church. You're the church. Yeah, they won't found the foundation. They won't found the find the foundation stone because it's Jesus. Of course, they won't. Foundation's Jesus. They won't find any rocks lying around because the rocks are you. You're living stones. They might find a building where the church met sometimes, but they won't understand the difference. But I hope you do, because there is a huge difference. It's a living temple. A living temple founded on Jesus. And he loves to dwell by his spirit. So there's a ringing challenge here, which in the context is very punchy. And whoa, we need to hear it. Paul is saying to these people, you're arguing with each other. You're saying, I'm Paul, I'm Apollos. You're fighting. You're not behaving like Christians. You're behaving like mere humans. And thereby you are destroying the temple. (gasps) That's what he's saying. Why? Because you're not operating it as it operates. It operates that you gather not to a name, not to a person, not to a, but you gather to Jesus. And you gather as one, loving Jesus and loving each other. And that's where the Holy Spirit turns up. If you miss that, the Holy Spirit may well not turn up. What do you mean, John? I mean that. You won't. He won't. He might. I mean, you won't lose your salvation. But it can be a pile of rubbish. That's what the Haywood stubble stuff is. And the gold stubble. I mean, we haven't time to explore it all. But you can build church. It's not to do with your salvation. But you can build church stuff that's useful or not. And, and it all hinges on, is it founded on Jesus? Is it founded on building us to one another in love and, 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 and worshipping Jesus together? Is that a factor? Do we pray together to Jesus? Otherwise, any gathering, any gathering of Christians can become a non-temple, just like any other gathering of people. It can, or, 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 you know, churches can become museums or, te- or just monuments to what happened 400 years ago or 40 years ago. Or just clubs where people with a similar attitude all gather together who are all interested in the same thing. Churches can do that. We can lose the temple. And Paul rather strictly says, if you're part of breaking that up, you be careful because God will be cross with you. That's what he says in verses 16 and 17. He says, don't mess up the temple. And he's not talking about a building. He's talking about real Christians meeting to worship Jesus. Don't meet out of sentiment. Don't, Don't let church become sentimentality, formality, banal, just purely tradition. I'm not anti-tradition as its value. Don't let it become just a habit or just because we all like it or because it's nice because the people in this building are nice to me and I like coming. Make sure we're building on the right foundation because we want God to turn up. And he will, but he won't. The Holy Spirit can be grieved and can withdraw himself. So Paul's saying... Don't you destroy that temple. He's not talking about got a building. He's talking about the people gathering in the right way. It's sobering. Now let's finish with the last question. Do you realize all things are yours? Hey, before we go to the last question, because that was a little sober. I don't mind being sober. As you, you know what I mean, serious. 
I mean, obviously I'm sober. I don't quite clearly sober. But serious. Serious, a better word, more appropriate word. I don't mind being serious, but I do want to just... I don't, before I flick on to the last question, let's leave it with a slightly more positive note because it's in here, big and true. If we get it right, God will turn up. If we come together to worship Jesus and to love one another, who knows what can happen? People come in and say, surely God is amongst you. You know, amazing experiences. You know, there is reality. There's experiential reality to this. You read, we'll get to it. 1 Corinthians 14. Wow, it can happen. So let's make sure that we have an expectation that God will turn up. But with that expect that we come with the right attitude. We come not to have a fight with each other or out of trouble with each other, but we come because we want to meet with Jesus and with one another, all of us. Everybody, leading the meetings, coming in, all with that attitude. Everyone. This is not about me. It's not about the good or bad performance of anybody. This is about Jesus. Must, must, must emphasize that. And when you're small gatherings, the same. Come on, we want to meet with it. Jesus this morning. We're going to meet. God will be amongst us. Jesus said he'd be here. This country, this nation, desperately needs healthy, real churches that is how the gospel really spreads you can have big evangelistic meetings i'm not anti them but the gospel really spreads through small communities that are lights in a dark world that are places of hope that you can bring your friends to church and they'll meet god i mean it don't be embarrassed don't tell anyone turn church into what it's supposed to be by being real and in faith then bring people not to a building necessarily, to gatherings, which happen usually in buildings because of the weather in Britain. <laughs> Let's go on to the last question. Do you realise all things are yours? Now, we could, I mean, that's an amazing sort of challenge. We need to probably slightly flesh it out, not, not massively, but make it a bit longer. Do you realise all things are yours because you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. Let's look at verses 21 and 23, just to read it. So let no one boast in human leaders, for everything is yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come. Everything is yours, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. Paul is raising their eyes, and I want to raise your eyes in the last few minutes. Come on now. Get your sight up. Don't you realize who you are in Christ? The phrase in Christ or in him is the most popular way the New Testament, the most frequent way the New Testament describes what it is to be a Christian. Over 200 times in the New Testament, Christians are in some form described as in Christ or in him, something like that. So we do need to think, woo, that must be special then. That you are in Christ. We're really back to our first question. Christ's in you, you're in Christ. Whew, you belong to him. You're in Christ. And Paul is raising, I say, do you not understand? Have the wisdom to see all you are in Christ and all he has done for you. 
Remember, nothing lives outside the jurisdiction of the risen and victorious Jesus Christ. He is Lord. It's amen. You clap him. You, you amen him. Hallelujah him. Because he is Lord of all. Jesus Christ is Lord. And I belong to Jesus. Do you? Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Thank you. And Jesus belongs to God. There's a trinity in there. So I'm in him. And he's in me. Those who are in Christ have no need to fear anything. They've no need to fight for anything that the world fights for. Money, status, recognition, power, position. You don't need to fight for it. You've got it all in Jesus. What are you doing? Thinking that's more important when everything is yours. You're in Christ. And he's Lord of all. What on earth are you fussing about? What are you worried about? Well, they've done to me and nobody's recognized me. Whoa! Wake up. Jesus recognizes you. You're in him. For goodness sake, you belong to Jesus. What more do you want, greedy old thing? I mean, it's true. Everything belongs to you because you belong to him. Now, there are many areas of life that tyrannize us, cause us to fear. The intimidating power of the world and its systems. Pretty intimidating in modern Britain, which is no longer very kindly disposed towards Christianity and Jesus. Other people's opinions and criticisms and mockery can, can intimidate us. The pressures of life, uncertainty about health or riches, fear of death, problems and fears about tomorrow, and the fuel bills, and goodness knows what, during the winter. And quite seriously, unknown future problems. We have fear generated us all the time. Climate change, climate catastrophe, economic collapse. It's been on crisis after crisis for years. And now we have genuinely a fear of nuclear war. Worse since my teens, 1960s. It's really on the edge in some ways. That's plenty to be frightened about. There is plenty to get you really agitated and unable to sleep at night. But you belong to Jesus. And he knows all about it. And God is sovereign over it all. And you belong to him. It's true. It's absolutely true. He says, don't you realize? Just rest in Christ. Bring your request to him with thanksgiving. Ask him to break through in areas. Go to the Lord of all and talk to him about it. Come to the throne of grace in time of need. He's your provider. He's your protector. He will decide when the world ends, not President Putin, and not climate. It's all under his control. Every person, every plant, he knows all about it. He'll decide, and he's going to renew it one day anyway. He's going to sort it out. He's going to change it. Jesus died once for all. He has risen now. He is victorious. He has risen in the power of an endless life, and you are part of that new creation he's forming. That's why you're not mere humans. He reigns at the right hand of the Father. Jesus Christ 
is Lord and he loves you and he loves me. And he's my Lord and my Saviour. And he said, no one can pluck me out of his hand. I'm in him, he's in me, and we are secure in that. We must rest in that fundamental truth. Raise your sights above the fears, the arguments, the fusses, the troubles of your day-to-day life and see that you are in him, you belong to him, and so all things are yours. All things are yours. The sovereign Lord is yours, and you are in him. So indeed, stop behaving like mere humans. Let's be what we are, children of God, (laughs) sons of God, all of us, men and women, sons of God. We share Christ's sonship. He's made us his, his brothers. And I deliberately use the male term because that seems to be how it applies to every believer because we share his sonship. It's another subject, but it's true. We share his sonship. Whew, it's wonderful. Praise the Lord. Now, in a few moments after I've left, you're going to break bread. I should break bread up at North. But I'm just going to pray. And then I think the band and Ange and somebody else will probably take over. Lord... Just thank you, Jesus, for all you have done for us. Thank you that we are not merely humans. We haven't just got our own human resources. We have you, the Holy Spirit living in us. We welcome you, Spirit of the living God. We thank you, Jesus, that you have saved us and we belong to you. (laughs) We're in you. Thank you. Anybody going to get to us, they've got to come through you. Thank you, Jesus, that you're Lord of all. Lord, please help us to consciously and actively realize we are your temple and you love to be with your people. Open our eyes, Lord. Raise our expectation as we gather together. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.